0: Today's workshop is going to focus on spiritual discernment. The overall workshop is a two-parter. And it's on the seer anointing. And I think that's just why the Lord visited us with the... uh, He laid the groundwork for, for seeing for each of us. So today's workshop will be on the discernment, dealing with the dimensions of man, the dimensions of the spirit, Ram and the heavenlies and the gift of discerning of spirits. So we'll focus on spiritual discernment, supernatural revelation received from the Holy spirit through the endowment operation and manifestation of the gift of the discerning of spirits There's an S on the end of that. So make sure you, whenever you describe that gift, you do use it with an S there's another gift of the Holy spirit of the nine gifts. That has an S on the end. It's miracles and then the healings, gift of healings. So this is the gift of discerning of spirits. I meaning it's more than one spirit and it will give us insight into the arena of discerning God's presence through the seer gift. Oh, I do. And I'm sorry. I meant to tell you guys. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Holly. Okay, so we already talked about the main areas we're covering today. And so those on Zoom can see those on the screen. This afternoon, we'll come back and finish up talking about the discerning of spirits, giving examples and the purpose of the gift, as well as how to operate in the gift. So our first um, introduction is going to be on the scripture reference, Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. And I'm not for sure if I printed that out for you guys or not, but I do have it. I want to read it from the Amplified. And then verse 9, we want to zero in on it. And I'll share it from some other references or uh, versions. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. From the amplified, it says, for God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now this is Paul, whose great love fills me. And this I pray that your love may abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth, in real knowledge, in insight, practical insight so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent, identifying the best and distinguishing moral differences, and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, actually living lives that lead others away from sin. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God, so that his glory may be both revealed and recognized. Wow. So that's an awesome prayer that Paul prayed. Verse nine, another version of that one out of the passion that was amplified. The passion on verse nine reads, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. So whenever you see the word all or always, um, you know, only God could use those words. So just realize that he means what he's saying. He says all things. And then in in King James Version, it reads, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. we're, We're defining here already discernment. And then the New King James Version says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Discernment is a form of direct perception. And perceive comes from that word perception. It's the ability to sense something with the sense or the mind. Where knowledge is the impartation of a fact or information. So we're getting some information today, but God wants us also to receive direct perception. He wants you to go beyond knowledge and begin to perceive or receive the information in your spirit, man. Okay. Man is three parts. We know he's three-part being. Everything uh, that we talk about in this first, next few slides is gonna be in three parts. The number three, the number seven, the number 12, even the number 10, we see them throughout the Bible and they have meanings, numbers have meanings. That's why God uses them. He wants you to zero in on what he's trying to say to you when you see these numbers in scripture. Three was considered the number of harmony, wisdom, And understanding. Wisdom and understanding is a part of discernment. It also refers to unity when we think of the triune being, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three also means holy. Again, the triune being. It means growth, reproduction, and truth. I love that word, truth. God's God, Jesus told, um, who was it that, uh, he wasn't the priest. Well, maybe it was the priest that was supposed to be, uh, he told him that he was there for the truth when, when uh, he was going to get, you know, sent to the cross. He says, you're seeing the truth. I am the truth. Hallelujah. So man is a three-part being created, a human being, and we were created. That's a key word, too, that uh, you just weren't randomly Placed here, put here, and it's so important that you were created. Realize that each of us is different. Each of us has a different fingerprint. He knows us so well that he knows how many numbers and I've lost out of here. <laughs> Number hair that's on our head. <laughs> we are that so important to God that you know, my. It's just when you start to think about. When we talk defining discernment and knowledge, the knowledge that you hear, that's the knowledge. And now he wants you to take it to perception. It's perceiving it in your spirit. It's like, how in the heck are you going to perceive something like that in your spirit? The only way is spiritually. And the Holy Spirit has to give you that understanding at that level. That's where the word wisdom comes in. I've heard people say, oh, discernment is wisdom. Oh, yeah, it is. It can be. It's part of it. But it's really deeper than that. It's more broader than that. But it's a, it's a word and, and, and something that can be misused. And that's why the Lord is focusing in on it. Because it's important when you start to operate uh, in the anointing and the prophetic. So, um, just as God is triune being, so are we, or so are you. We have, we are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. The real you, the eternal part that lives forever and ever, whether it be in heaven or hell, or wherever else there might be some outer outer hell. <laughs> and levels of hell, as I'm sure there's levels in the heavenlies in heaven. The real you, the eternal part of you, is spirit. Just like our heavenly Father is spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. Your soul is also where you're the seat of um, make where you make decisions. It's your personality. It's who makes you different than what you are. And when I start, when I, when I begin to teach about things like that. Back here in my heart or my, I don't know, maybe it's my spiritual mind, I'm trying to receive and understand that spiritually as well. And that is so how awesome and awesome our God is. So we must deal with and die to our flesh daily, the sin part of us. And that's where it becomes difficult because we're we're in the body and we're living in this this atmosphere. But also we're to operate in the heavenly in Christ Jesus. At the right hand of the Father. So we die daily. Romans 7.23 says. I see another law at work. In the members of my body. This is Paul again. Waging war. Against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner. Of the law of sin. At work within my members. So the. Look at, Tact and challenges our our bodies, the fleshly part of us, the sin nature that's gonna be there as long as we're in this body, carrying it along. <laughs> we're gonna have to be. We're gonna be challenged, and what you're challenged with is your desires, your appetites, your attitudes. Those are the things that you have to fight to change, and that and you do that by the renewing of your mind and reading the word and spending time with God in prayer and coming among the saints and so on and so forth. And we live in the body to navigate the earth realm. So we have to have a body. And the way we connect with the body is through our senses, the five senses that we have. So humans have five basic senses, touch, sight, hearing, smell, and taste. The sensing organs associated with each sense sends information to the brain to help us understand and perceive the world around us. Mm. The spirit of a man is the part that connects, communicates or communes and relates to God cuz he's spirit. It deals with the supernatural realm, not the natural. Realm, the supernatural realm. And we always want to Put our emotions in there. Try not to put your emotions in there because the supernatural realm and God, relating with God, requires faith. And faith is a whole other thing. It's, It's a substance, but it's something that you don't see. You have to just know that it's there. It's believing. Okay? So the soul is where your personality is housed. It deals with the natural things of the world. That's the soul or the earth realm, things we can see with our natural eyes, our soul deals with those things. The body or the flesh is the part of you that must be put under. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Least that I, by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And in Galatians 5, 16 through 26, he strongly states, this I say then to walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So one way to conquer our flesh is to be spiritually connected to God. For the flesh lusteth this against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary to one another. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. In other words, if you're walking in the spirit, it's going to be in control, and not your flesh or your soulish realm. It's not going to be in control. But you still have you still have a soul that you have to deal with. That's the part of us that we have to really uh, grow up. Our spirit is it has to grow as well. But our soul we have to control and keep it under. So verse 18 says, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which which of these are, here's a few of them, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, and lasciviousness. L-A-S-C-I-V-I-O-U-S-N-E-S-S. <laughs> Also idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, that's anger, strife, bringing in a division, seditions, and heresies. There's more, Envyings. envy, murder, you can murder somebody with your mouth, drunkenness, Rebellings and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. That's a, that's a long list, a huge list. And then sometimes we think, oh, um, I'm not doing any of those things. But you better take another look at those items and maybe even look them up and find the definition. They can be very subtle, you know, very, very subtle. And a little leaven can, can tear up and destroy the whole lump. So in verse 22, Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the spirit. This is how we know someone is walking in the spirit. That's why the Bible tells us when we're judging other spirits, we're supposed to or people. You know, you're not, it's not there. It's not the person, it's the spirit of the person is that you look at the fruit and they're walking in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. So they're short to get angry, you know, or react. Goodness, faith, they're walking in faith. Meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So they've taken that flesh. They used to always tell us when I was coming up, you take that flesh and who's, who, who's seating on your throne of your heart, take that flesh and hang it up on a cross. Cause that's what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross so that that could be conquered. So it can be conquered. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another so the key to seeing in the spirit and operating in the spirit and communion with God is prayer fasting and consecration we must mortify the flesh that means kill it we must keep watch over our ear and eye gates we must daily submit our spirit, soul and body to God's control just a daily submission. So the heavenlies. Overall, I'll do an overview of the three dimensions. The three dimensions can also, I describe them as the three spirit rims too. But that's not to say that's all that exists. This is what I can I can teach. This is what revelation I have at this point. So there's much, much more to learn. Three dimension of the heavenlies or the spirit realm are the, is the unseen world. World means cosmos. You heard that word before, cosmos? Or world systems. Or how about the word or the phrase world order? New world order. What it is is how we operate in it. That's what the, uh, the world is, the world system is. But we operate in it through our spirits and intimacy, open heavens. The spirit realm has always existed. So how we operate in the spirit realm is that it's through our spirits and it's through intimacy with God. And as we become more intimate with God in our relationship with him, that we, we don't want, when we say intimacy, that means knowing God and you're, you're in God I know uh, Pastor Marshall used to say, Intimacy was into me see. So it was like, Come into me and see. Because God is who you really want to know. (laughs) And so it's not that other intimacy, which is the worldly definition of intimacy, of being intimate with your mate. That's not the same as I'm describing, but it's parallels to the same. Because the outcome is the same. So 1 Corinthians 2. Verses 9 through 16. That would be a scripture reference. So we are spirit. And solid food is for the mature. Not controlled by impulses. Or the sinful capacity or nature. Which is our flesh. Okay. Solid food is for the mature. That means a mature person. Is not controlled by impulses. And they're not controlled by their sinful nature. Or their flesh. Because we are now spiritual beings, we must walk by faith and not by sight. I'll give you an example of the spirit realm. And because you can't see it. You can see it as God perceive, as you perceive it. And it's going to take spiritual discernment to perceive it. Okay. And some people don't realize this, but when you become born again, if you're truly, truly, truly a born again Christian, you get a measure of the spirit in your spirit, man. And then the next level is being baptized in the spirit. And that takes you to another level within an experience from God. And that's kind of like to overflowing. Okay. So everybody should be able to have spiritual discernment and about two slides down we'll talk about natural discernment, spiritual discernment and different, differentiate those two from the gift of discernment. So an example of the spirit realm, if you take, uh, you go to the pond or you go to the ocean or wherever you might wanna go and get a drop of water, a droplet, and you know, if you take that and put it on a, a slide, microscope slide. If you've done, anybody had biology? You put, this, put the drop on there and then you put this, the piece of glass that goes on top of it and then you slide it under your microscope and you take a look and you see all of these things forming around, which are alive, right? So you can't see it with your natural eye, but it's there. You know it's there. I know it's there by my spirit, but I also know it because I experienced it because I saw it. So that's how we, uh, I won't use the word entertain, but experience and know and have knowledge of the spirit realm, okay? That's just at a minute level as well. So for this class, we talk about the three dimensions of the spirit as being equivalent to the three heavenlies. Okay? Okay, so the three heavens. You got first heaven, second heaven, and a third heaven. So I'm going to explain each of those. But I think first off, I'm going to tell you about this dream, this dream that I had. And uh, I guess the reason why I do what I do too is because God's given me these things. (laughs) and experiences and encounters and you know you want to know what to do with them they're not just for you to sit around and and have them (laughs) they're for you to share them with others and uh, it increases their faith and people are acknowledged by what you're experiencing and they say oh that happened to me too so it's confirmation but it's like the iron sharpening iron and the body Building the body up, growing us up, and so you know, because I and I don't know if this is my question or or his question to me this morning when I was getting up for prayer to get ready to come. Is um, what do you th- why do you think that you are uh what was how do you put it? Why do you think you're qualified to teach this area? And the, and the, he's only talked about one area, which is the seer part. OK, because that's that's kind of new for me, although I guess I was a seer from from all along. You know, I knew that, he, you know, he had called me a prophet. I knew that I had been confirmed. I've done the, been through the training. But it's only been a few years ago. He said, seer. And it just came out of nowhere. I said, OK, seer. But what he does that, is because he wants your attention, because he wants you to begin to explore that more. I never really thought that that was the kind of prophet I was. Although early on, when I started having these prophetic encounters, I'd ask, and he said, "Well, you know, you are a prophet of like Ezekiel." So I would, I know, I would have different experiences like Ezekiel, which he saw really kind of crazy stuff. But you know, you when you think about going back as your childhood and growing up, you remember all. Of, I think in a prophetic word, he said that you remember all the things that you experience. And that kind of qualifies you too, but it basically acknowledges who you are and what he's put in you. And so that was one of the things he says: the experiences that you have is what qualifies you to do what you do. God acknowledges it. Not so much man, it's God. He's always gonna be the final qualifier. It's not it's not gonna be man. Man will acknowledge. Because they experience it or they see it, or God may tell them something, you know. Because, you know, uh, I don't think man really can promote you. That comes from God, but God tells who he is to promote uh, because the gifting and the fruit will follow itself. Well, that was a funny trail. The dream. I had this one dream, and it was, I thought I was in an elevator. And it really was, as after I found out, it was more like some type of chariot. It was a mobile, a means of getting from point A to point B. And so I was on this thing and I, re- I remember it just taking off out of nowhere. It's like, it just kind of invaded me. It took me and I took off. <laughs> and it was crazy because it, it was going so, 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 so fast. It was almost like a blink of an eye fast if I could explain it or describe it in the natural what I was experiencing spiritually in the spirit. And it took off and it, I can remember it going vertical. And then after so like, a, so like another blink, it changed its plane and went horizontal. And then another blink or two, it went up again and it went vertical. And then another time it did the same thing. It happened three times and that the Lord has said those are the heavenlies the atmosphere the heavenly atmosphere now when I got to the destination the door opened and I could see out and I'm looking you know you're peering to see where you're at what's going on because almost like you know you're half asleep you don't know where you are and I could just see all this activity going on It's like, wow what is going on here and it was like stations and people and, and angels and chariots and people getting off of more chariots and it was like this loading place where people were going different places they were being separated I said wow okay interesting and I thought maybe I was going to get to go out get out and go somewhere but I didn't and that was the end of it so I wanted to share that because I'm going to talk a little bit about the atmosphere in the heavenlies and the three heavens okay so Planes cruise above the clouds. The reason why they go above the clouds is because they can go real fast above the clouds. They travel, a plane travels 550 to 580 miles per hour. Okay, that's a fact. Now you're supposed to take that and discern it spiritually. Or try to. (laughs) I don't know if that's a blink of an eye or not and they say what something travels as fast as the speed of light the time or something I don't know what it is anyway that just kind of came to mind so the higher airplanes climb the thinner the air gets so it's think of it a thickness and then it gets thinner and the more efficient they fly when they get up higher in thinner air because there's less resistance. So that's how they can go so fast. So a commercial aircraft will fly 300 no, 38,000 feet. So it's it's 38,000 feet up in the air or 7 miles to reach cruising altitude. We've all been on a plane. We know about that cruising altitude and how they got to get so high up before they can really go where they're going it's interesting how they can make up time when they're way behind too so they can go very 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 fast (laughs) and it puts them though i think in a little bit more dangerous situation when they do so it takes them about 10 minutes to reach uh the cruising altitude um and so that is and when they're when they're going up ascending and descending their speed goes down their speed for travel is only 150 miles only 150 miles per hour we know we drive about 60 we never drive over 100 miles per hour so planes fly much higher if they go up higher they can and it's altitude but it puts it puts them in a safety issue but to compare those the height of the 38,000 feet or seven miles the largest or tallest mountain in the world is Mount Everest, it's 25,000 feet tall. The Rockies is about 14,000 feet and the Smoky Mountains is just 5,000 feet. So talking about those heavenlies and the atmosphere and the resistance, how about turbulence? turbulence? I think they're trying to still, no, they're usually at a cruising altitude and sometimes they get that turbulence too. But just think what's out there spiritually versus in the natural. Remember Gabriel, took it took him 21 days to get to Daniel for his prayer to be answered. So if you're going up and you're having all this resistance, when you come down, you can also have the same resistance. And the resistance gets stronger in that second heavenlies uh-huh you, you, you see what i'm saying or you have a question well, you know, you're the mm-hmm. yes so you down earth, yes you yes yes Oh, yep. Yes. Yep. The answer was delayed because the prince of the kingdom of Persia had withstood Gabriel for exactly 21 days. Interesting. The number 21, guys. People always want to fast for 21 days. Such ability to delay Daniel's answers gives great evidence of the power of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So that's a powerful area there because that's his domain. Somewhere on his flight from heaven, where God's abode is, third heaven, Gabriel invaded the rim of the high places referred to in Ephesians 6, verse 12, which is populated by the wicked spirits. Michael came to relieve Gabriel, remember, to help him. In his opposition to the Prince of Persia. Wicked spirits. We're going to talk about the heavenlies, but the second heavenly is where they are. Yeah, it should be in your your handout. We're on uh, we're gonna talk about each of the the three heavenlies or the three dimensions of heaven. Which remember I said for this class, when we talk about each of those, we're talking about. The heavenlies come and, and call it the rim, a spirit rim. Because there's always a mirror to the spiritual. This is just the way the Holy Spirit's given it to me to teach. Not saying I'm completely correct. So the first heaven is our atmosphere. It's like when you know you look out and see this, the trees. It's what we see. It's, the, it's what we see by our eyes. It's, it's temporal. It's not going to be like this forever. It's going to change. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first heaven is the firmament. This heaven is the closest to earth where the birds and the clouds are. I was thinking the other day about birds. You know how they, they say the birds are there or where they're living at. But they always have to come to earth to eat. They're coming down here to get their food it's kind of interesting the plural form of heavens with the S on the end is in Genesis 1 quite often is about the stars or the planets so a lot of times when you hear them talk about heavens there's also other planets or, or galaxies that are so mind-boggling that are out there Just realize that it's just not our solar system that we're in. There's all types of galaxies out out in the universe. Genesis chapter 1 verse 8 says and God called the firmament heaven and the heaven I mean the um, evening and the morning were the second day. So the Bible also refers to the heaven as sky. So it's considered what we call sky. First heavens. The second heavens is actually in the clouds or above the clouds, or the clouds, it's above the clouds, because we see heaven and we see clouds too, but this is like beyond the clouds, it's the second heavens, it's the space where the sun and the moon are, and the stars, we also see the planets from time to time, it's what we call outer space, it's the second heavens, Deuteronomy 4, chapter 4, verse 19, it says, and when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon and the stars all the heavenly array do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven so it's something we're not supposed to bow down to but there are, there are religions that do okay that is their God the moon or the stars or heaven I mean the sun Third heavens is called heaven of heavens. It's way above the clouds or universe. It's where God lives. It's the unseen world. Can't see it. It's an eternal rim. The third heaven also called the throne of God. We've also said, well, that's God's throne is the third heavens. It's where the angels are. And the angels are the gatekeepers for the third heavens. And so remember, I was in the um, chariot that went up and went to three levels, just like it. there are three heavens. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse two, it says it is necessary to boast, though nothing is gained by it. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. This is Paul with his out of body description. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out the body, I do not know, only God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know that such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, only God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which man is not permitted to speak, words too sacred, to tell. Caught up in verse 2 is frequently translated as snatched. He said he was snatched up or taken away. If you had any out-of-body experiences, that's the way it feels. You had no control over it. Yeah, God just comes and takes you. And that should be the way that any spiritual encounter should happen. It should, it's nothing to be afraid of, but it's nothing that you go for or or seek for. It's just like a suddenly and God comes. So so that word snatched also is the meaning of the word rapture. So when we talk about the rapture, that's what's going to happen. It's going to look like Jesus just snatched us out of our body like a thief in the night, a blinking or twinkling of the eye. So here's an example for you of the unseen third heavens. So in a 3D movie, you'd have to have on 3D glasses to see some of the 3D effects. So what we see right now is is two dimensional. I see you and you're just here and that's all I can see. But there is a third dimension to you but I don't see that third dimension. That's the part like is your weight, something that you can't really see in an individual. So a three-dimensional object is solid, and it can be measured in three different directions. Height, length, usually width, or for us, it'd be more like a weight. Um, This dimension is seen. So God is spirit, and he is in heaven. Since God is spirit, they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's John 4.24. So if we were to look at a a 3D movie and we put on these glasses, then we're going to see and we're going to see like the third dimension, which is that that depth or that width or that weight of something. I don't know if anybody's ever been to one of those movies. I haven't really. I haven't. <laughs> but I, mean, I hear that it's almost like things on the screen jump out at you as if you're in it. You're actually there. So that must be a very interesting experience. There are three levels that of discernment. Remember, we're going to talk about natural discernment, spiritual discernment, and the gift of discerning of spirits. Check our time. Okay, we're good. Natural discernment. It means to perceive by sight or by some other sense or by the intellect. Remember, you can also use any of your senses to perceive what's going on around you. You sense something's wrong as, as uh, or something's right. and someone's happy, you can actually sense it. Not necessarily see it, you can feel it. You recognize it, you can distinguish it. But so a lot of times in, with the natural, it's hard to distinguish it with just your sight and the other senses. And that's why the spiritual part comes in so that you can see even clearer. There are four, there are five senses, other than four senses other than sight. But anyway, there's five total, and that's your eyes, which is your sight, your ears, which is your hearing, mouth for taste, nose for smell, skin for touch. To detect having or showing good judgment, this discernment is based on natural reasoning. So it's more of a, a judgment, good judgment. Scripture references 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 through 22. Let's see if I wrote that one down. So this is subjective and is based on and influenced by personal feelings, taste, and opinions. So you can grow in that natural discernment, just like you can grow in your other discernments. Then you have the spiritual discernment. The ability to distinguish between truth and deception. So what is right and what is wrong? Spiritual discernment is supernatural revelation from the Holy Spirit. It is supernaturally revealed. We all have a measure of Holy Spirit inside of us. Therefore, we all can discern good from evil. That's uh, Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat and solid food belongs to them that are of full age or who are mature because of practice, who have their senses trained, exercised in both discerning good and evil. So that's that's the practice and exercising of your senses. We use our senses to discern good and evil. We chew on solid spiritual food, which is the word, and then we become mature. We must train our senses to discern. It is not an automatic activity. We discern both good and evil, not good or evil, or good versus evil. It's both. It's not one or the other. There are several words that are used for discerning or discernment. We already talked about wisdom being a word that people use for discernment as a description of it or a synonym. Understanding is also discernment. So you understand what's happening. Discretion. Prudence. Testing. And sense. Sometimes people say, I just sense something. I just know something. And then you have the um, the third level of discernment is the gift of discerning of spirits, which is in 1 Corinthians 12. 10. This is a supernatural insight and in revelation from Holy Spirit. Very similar to spiritual discernment, but this is actually a gift in operation. And typically with the gifts, they um, the Holy Spirit releases the gift as he wills. But if you operate in that gift, it's a gift that you can say God has given you. So everybody doesn't really have the gift of discerning the spirits, but everybody has the first two, natural discernment and spiritual discernment. Where the gift of dirt, any gift out of 1 Corinthians 12 is given to you as Holy Spirit wheels based on a lot of things. We talked about your calling, your purpose, and so on and so forth. Supernatural discernment is sometimes referred to as revelation knowledge. So that just, that term means What is revealed to you is knowledge revealed directly from God about a certain situation. There's no way you would have known it at all or figured it out with your natural discernment or even your spiritual discernment. It's at a higher level. At this level, this particular revelatory gift, discerning the spirits, allows you to discern what type of spirit is behind operation of any activity that's going on. Included in that, he can remove the veil of your eye and actually show you the spirit. So anybody had that happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah me too i've had it happen a couple times especially with demons i don't want to see that god (laughs) he just shows you this demon it's like okay what do you want me to do with it i I just kind of pick up my little back turn around like i didn't see it (laughs) that's not mine to do anything with maybe pray about it later (laughs) but that's really uh they call those kind of like open visions because they're so real it's just as real as you sitting right there um the angelic rim for me is the perception for me to see angels. Is more um, more of my other senses. You know your uh, your feel. You can you know you can sense a presence, or your smell. Um, and then in your spiritual with your spiritual eyes because your spiritual eyes is, it's interesting because your spiritual eyes is not as keen and clear in the as the natural eyes are because we're in the natural, but in with your spiritual eyes, it's more of a, a, a foggy glow, a haze, a halo. Um, there's a, there's a couple other words to describe that. So you can say, see the image or the shape or something. Yeah. A silhouette. That's the word. Yeah. you see a silhouette. So, um, it's it's a little different because that the magnitude of that glory is I think also to protect us as well. There's a lot of protectionism included or involved in that. And then actually seeing someone an, an individual person's spirit, again, supernaturally God would have to show that too. The only spirit I've seen is my own, <laughs> you know, when I was taken to heaven and saw my my spirit. And God showed, had, he had me there doing something. Or he was doing something for me or with me. Um, but So it's not common to have people describe that they see somebody's spirit. But God can tell you things. And that's how the gift of discerning the spirits can also operate. You just, he releases the knowledge to you because it's revealing something to you. It works frequently with uh, the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 12.10 says it's the ability to distinguish sound, godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man, made religions or cults. And that's the amplified version of 1 Corinthians 12.10. 1 Timothy 4.1 says the spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. We are to be forewarned, to be forewarned, is to be forearmed. Satan's number one weapon is deception. We must not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. We must be quick of scent, meaning sniffing out. Quick of scent means to sniff out like a sheepdog sniffs out and smell the evil. Isaiah 11.3 in the King James Version declares that the spirit of the Lord would make him of quick understanding. Quick understanding there also means quick descent or quick scent, smell. Um, In the commentary, Benson's commentary for uh, 11.3, it says uh, it shall make him of quick understanding. And the Hebrew word shall make him quick means a smell or perception or of quick discernment and so you would get that out of Isaiah chapter 11 verse 3 if you wanted to go back and look over that. This is like unto the nose of a sheepdog sharper than that of a human. Just like the, you know, the eagle's eyes are so sharp the sheepdog's nose is the same he's able to detect a wolf in sheep's clothing we can walk in discernment that is not based in natural reasoning, but in spiritual discernment. The true from the false and the imitation from the, uh, the imitation from the authentic. Okay, we're gonna move on. Talk about spiritual senses here. Sharpening your spiritual senses. I always read that and said, How do we sharp? I always ask, how do we do that, Lord? How do we sharpen our spiritual senses? Well, here's how you do it. God uses our natural senses just as much as He uses our spiritual senses. So we're we are present our entire being unto God, we're to present our entire being unto God. In Romans 12, verse one through two, that's our act of worship. So that's everything. That's even our, our natural body, which includes our eyes and our ears and our mouths. We're to submit them unto God, meaning they have to be holy. We have to consecrate ourselves. Prophets are said to be the eyes of the body, the eyes of Christ. The body of Christ but a seer goes deeper into revelation because they are said to be the head and in the head they're using all five senses to connect to the world to communicate with God they use all five senses to connect and communicate in the spirit realm so we must surrender our senses to Holy Spirit Okay. You have, one, you have more than one set of eyes. You don't have just your natural eyes, you've got your spiritual eyes. So your spirit is actually who you truly, truly are. Sight is one of our primary senses. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, chapter 18 through 19. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what the hope of his calling is and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the state and what is the surpassing, surpassing, um, sorry, greatness of his power toward us who believe. You have eyes that are both spiritual and natural. We see in many ways, some of the ways are through our dreams, visions, similitudes of God, trances, etc. Spiritual seeing is in the spirit. You will see inside yourself unless the veil be removed. You will not see with natural eyes the things that are in the spirit realm so when we talk about seeing spiritually it's you see it but you and, and you see it you see naturally but your spirit you see it more in your in your head that makes sense mm-hmm. has anybody seen in the spirit where God showed him something oh, yeah. yeah and you didn't see it you knew you knew you saw it but it wasn't here like this tablet but it was in the spirit because he allowed you to see that. Something, it's nothing that you made happen. He showed you something that he wanted you to see for whatever reason. Maybe you were praying and you saw somebody, a person, you saw their face. Maybe you saw a name and the name came up. You know, or you even spoke it. So it, it's a perception. Okay. What about the one you see in the um before it happens yeah you sense something mhm One towels in on the couch mhm mhm something uh-huh uh-huh and you just saw it coming yeah 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 Well, it was there the spirit rim is more real than the natural rim. It was created first, it's where God was, so that it's there, and remember, this natural area here, this heavenly is, is, um, and the second heavens is where demonic forces are. You know, Satan is the ruler of the world right now, because we gave him that right through Adam, but those of us who believe, we know that we are God's children, and we operate in God's kingdom. So rather that was something that was demonic or divine, that's where this gift comes in at. And then God will tell you what needs to happen regarding that, that experience. Um, just, it just, you know, has more to do with it as a lot. Like I said, he showed me, I know the one the second time it was one time I saw this, this demon that was on a person's back. And I saw it there. I think he was just revealing to me that that was what preventing that person from, uh, they really wanted to dance and get involved in dance ministry and everything. And we would always be praying, and they were always in those constant pain and on and on. And we were just praying as a group. And he showed me that. And I uh, guess too, and I, what I did is I prayed, but I wasn't supposed to do anything else than that. Sometimes it's there because you speak to that. Or if you're doing, de- you know, demonic deliverance maybe you're supposed to deal with it directly, which that's what was not what we were doing. Um, Because that could have exposed her whole spine and caused a lot of whole other issues if I would have thought, oh, okay, I'm just going to take that and snatch it off. No, (laughs) it wasn't. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't know all I was supposed to do was pray. At that time, all we were doing was praying. And so as I saw it, I knew that I wasn't to touch it. The Holy Spirit just said, this is it, you know, and then I prayed. Yeah, so it was, he was showing me because I was asking the question. I want to know why she was having all this pain. Um, so he will give you directions and it depends on the setting. I mean, if, like I said, if you're ministering and you're, you're, help, you're you are you're know, you're delivering someone, if it's you that's supposed to take care of that demonic force and you will have the power, the anointing authority to do so and God will tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And Mm-hmm. 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 uh huh uh-huh. yeah, Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah God will show you things that he wants you to deal with if it's not for you to deal with then he'll tell you what to do and what not to do and then the the other time I saw one you know these are just ones that I know that are just huge and he removed the bell all the way altogether it was just one that I was I was supposed to know that their presence was there and pray and, and sanctify in my home and oil, to oil whatever. So, cause you'll let you know when an attack is coming as well. So that was on seeing, trying to catch up here on the uh, Zoom. And then you have hearing, it's hearing you're hearing you can, see, you can hear like many rushing waters. It's another way that we sense things. Um, John the beloved disciple of Jesus was exiled on the Isle of Patmos and when he in worship, he saw the Lord and declared in Revelations 15, his feet were like burnished bronze when it has been uh, made to glow in a furnace. So that's a visual. I love all the visuals. <laughs> and then his voice was like the sound of many waters. So it's, it's, this is the voice. The voice of the Lord can take many different sounds. So you don't want to limit it. And I think sometimes like people say, Oh, I heard the audible voice. Well, you know, sometimes you you can. It's very rare. But I'm sure, you know, this description of the the waters and the wind can be ways that it may that God's voice may sound. Usually when I hear it as more of an audible, he's just calling my name. (laughs) It's like to wake me up or try to get my attention. And um, or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm out of position. I should have been up praying. I'm sleeping. <laughs> you know, wake me up, call me. It almost sounds like my daddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the other thing with hearing, I was thinking there was one night I was at, you know, going, trying to get to bed and, and at the end of my day and everything. Sometimes I'll do prayer and uh, reading. But I remember hearing, uh, uh, hearing this music coming this beautiful music coming from somewhere. And I knew it was my neighbor's and it said it sounds so clear and, and so near to me. And I looked around, looked around and I even looked out the window and see anything. And then I got back in bed and I laid there and it happened again. And it was, I found out it wasn't coming from anywhere else, but right inside my spirit, man, it was coming up. So it was like angels, angelic singing, heavenly music or worship music. It was just awesome. So these are type encounters that you can, you have and God, it just happens. You don't be looking for it to happen. And he just wants us to really know him. He's wooing us to know him more and more about him. But that is a way of, of perception of perceiving. And and another one, and I have, I think we'll talk about the smell was I smelled the fragrance um, the other day that that happens to people too. So uh, there are countless ways that God speaks to us. We may cover some others, but it's real specific um, information that is not a part of uh, today's class. Uh, he speaks to you from deep inside into your heart. You know, your heart can also be be described here as your heart, is your ears, where you can listen, you can hear. You know, one of his quotes, one of Jesus' quotes, he says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear <laughs> what the spirit is saying. So the ear is the spirit in your spirit, man. Yeah. Although you hear the word heart as well described as your spirit and then feeling. You can have a a feeling in your heart. So from the heart flows the issues of life. Good timing. The rim of touch or feelings is one of the most important senses. Touch or feeling. Proverbs 4.23 teaches and warns us, watch over your heart with all diligence. From out of it flow the springs of life. That's Proverbs 4, verse 24. You can experience the emotions of God. You can discern the inner mo- motivations of a heart of a man or a woman. Their motivations, what their intent is. You can feel the oppression over certain geographical regions. Has anybody ever felt that? Go on an area and just just hit you. It still has to be supernaturally released, though. I was just, the one that came back to memory for me was when I was in, um, I uh, was uh, doing a training. I was in, was in Vegas. Or was it Vegas? No, it was Louisiana, New Orleans. And it was during uh, uh, Halloween. It actually was on, a, on October 31st. And the oppression over that city. During, on that day that I'm there, but at a training. I'm out on the beach and it just hit me. I went into travail and inter- intercession for like 10 minutes while I was there. So you can really uh, pick up on that. When when that comes up on you, this is the feel part. Example of the feeling. It's a you get you're getting the heart of God, and He's putting that burden on you. So you're feeling God's burden in your heart, and He's calling you to intercede. One thing about intercession and about the prophetic, all prophets are intercessors. Okay? All intercessors are not prophets. All seers are prophets. But not all prophets are seers. It's just another operation, flow, function assignment. So I'll say that again. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking about the filler and all that stuff because that all comes in with intercession. All prophets are intercessors. All intercessors are not prophets. These are misconceptions. That's why Holy Spirit's highlighting them right now. So all prophets are are intercessors. All intercessors are not prophets. All seers are prophets, but not all prophets are seers. The feeler gift operates deeply and strongly in the intercessor. It is where God's burden comes. Becomes your burden. God's burden becomes your burden. It is in the secret place where we are aware that we are one with Him. Um, I can remember another example that I need to share regarding this. Uh, and this was when I, uh, I think it was just I was in a concert a season of consecration. So I had been praying and fasting as well. But I was visited by the Lord and it was more of him impregnating me. I got pregnant in the spirit. And I just knew that when it happened, I think I shared this with you, that where um it just felt like the holy something inside me twisted and and turned. Sounds like it's like, oh, she was in pain or having agony or it wasn't comfortable. But it was really awesome. And it was a spiritual encounter. And it was like I was in another. (laughs) My spirit was being taken and, I don't know, just changed and rearranged. But there was like something was imparted as well. I could tell I had an impartation as well. That's why I call it being impregnated. Uh, it was beautiful but anyway that can those kind of things could happen and they're spiritual what you do what you do with them is you yield and then you pray it through and then you can ask the lord what it was but many times you don't get information and and the full answer for days for months for years of what happened it's amazing because everything in the spirit is eternal it's eternity. It's that you got the beginning and the end all there at the same time. It's eternal. There's no time in the spirit. Right? Awesome. It's one of those aha moments again where you're getting this knowledge, but then God wants us to remember that he wants us to understand it in our spirit, man. Take it to another level. And, you know, as again, those are things that you yield to because it's a personal, holy time with you and the Lord. And that experience probably lasts 30, 45 minutes, who knows, an hour. I just remember falling asleep like a baby and I slept like a (laughs) baby. Best sleep I could ever gotten. Taste. Number four, tasting, smelling, and other leadings. So all five of our senses can be surrendered to the Holy Spirit and should be. And they come under the anointing of God to discern good, both good and evil. This includes the senses of taste and smell as well. So you have um, ever tasted something. So people say, oh, I have a bad taste in my mouth about something (laughs) and then smelling the sense of smell psalm 34 8 says taste and see that the lord is good 34 (laughs) 8 sometimes the word is like honey you cannot get enough of it it is so satisfying i'm glad i have more of those experiences that i have the bad taste (laughs) i have the good taste and then um not so many days ago i smelled cinnamon in my kitchen and I just You would think that, oh, you know, see in your kitchen, you got some good smelling bread going on over here, or, you know. But I did have some roses on the table, but they were over on the dining room table. They were nowhere near where I was smelling that scent. And I'm just looking for it, trying to find it. <laughs> and it wasn't there. And I said, oh, goodness, that smelled good. And then I didn't really think much about it the first time. But the very next day, in the same area, it happened a second time. And I said, oh, I get it. It's something from heaven. <laughs> I said, it smells like frankincense. It's like, oh, I really know what frankincense is. <laughs> but it was it was amazing. It was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful aroma. But, you know, I felt it was like the holy angels in there in my, in my presence. Just kind of reminded me that they're around. And then you have the, the fifth one is what we call a knowing sense. I mean, the sixth one, they say this is a sixth sense. So we have seeing, hearing, feeling, touch, and smell. So this would be six, and it's a knowing sense. You just know, and you know her. Some people are like that. They just know. How do you know that? You'll be asking them questions. How in the heck did you know that? I just know. I just, I don't know. I know. <laughs> it's something supernatural or, or different about them. You just have a knowing. I think James Gall is the one that kind of brought that out as something he has done. You do not know how you know, but you know. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. I knew when we, um, Philip and I were in this, we were in the parking lot and we had this angels unaware. I just knew that was an angel. At the time I didn't, but after he walked away, I knew. I just knew that I knew. And it wasn't like I had this, you know, the Lord say it, you know, or, or see it. It was like a, it was like another part of me that just knew. So that's what we mean by the sixth sense of knowing, knowing spiritually. OK, wisdom keys. Staying, you have to stay grounded in the word. These are keys for um, walking in discernment. Grounded. You always want to be grounded in the word. In order to be more effective in receiving and discerning any kind of revelation. Because it's always going to parallel or line up with the gospel. It's going to always, with that word truth, it's going to line up with truth. So if we present our senses to evil, they become a servant or slave to evil. That's in Romans 6.13. And I'll give you some other verses. So this is all in chapter 6 of Romans. Verse 13, verse 16. And verse 19. Verse 13, 16, 19, Romans 6. If we present our senses to righteousness, then they become a servant slave to righteousness. That's a good thing, right? Okay. So before we take a couple minute break, I want to say this prayer here. And if you guys would close your eyes and meditate on the lord and receive 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 oh god thank you we worship you lord hallelujah dear lord we submit our senses to you for your divine purposes cleanse our ears and our eye gates with the blood of Jesus. Reveal to us any areas of hindrance or blockage to a particular sense. Help us to be aware of an area where evil has or can creep in and cause Holy Spirit not to flow through us freely. We pray Isaiah 11 3. Make us a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord and help us to not judge after the sight of our eyes, neither reprove nor make decisions by what our ears hear. Hallelujah. Let's receive that. And we ask for healing, deliverance and restoration in Jesus name. We thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to take like a five, ten minute break. I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Now we're going to spend some time talking about the third dimension of discernment, which is the gift of discerning of spirits. This is important um, in understanding and flowing and operating in the spiritual realm and understanding the seer gift, which will be at the next boot camp. Someone was asking about the difference between, because there is a difference between the flow of the prophet, which is more of a Nabi prophet that flows from an inner, just a bubbling up, and the seer. Although a prophet can, can flow out of both areas, a seer mainly receives their revelation from God and their knowledge from God through the senses more than a Nabi but you, you don't limit God and he, how he wants to re- release knowledge to you and revelation to you. But just know that it can flow both ways. And there is a difference between the two. If there had not been, he would not have told me, you're a seer. And that's where I want you to focus on now. For whatever reason could be because of these end time days, the last days or what have you, but we know there's more spiritual activity that is happening now than ever before and will only increase. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us his people perish because of lack of knowledge and we must have knowledge and understanding to move forward with him. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 I'm going to go to this there we go. it reads he gives someone else this is uh, the living Bible translation living Bible he gives someone else the power to know whether evil spirits are speaking through those who claim to be giving God's messages. Or whether it is really the spirit of God who is speaking. So he gives, let's read it again, he gives someone else the power to know whether evil spirits are speaking through those who claim to be giving God's messages. So you're discerning what spirit is coming out of a person as they proclaim they're speaking for God. Or rather it is really the spirit of God who is speaking. That's part of that discernment or the gift of discerning the spirits. It's just another way of another version of it. We must know there is a higher rim. The spirit rim operates or is governed by spiritual laws. It has its own laws. Just like we have laws in the natural, it's mirrored in the spirit. comes from the spirit. Just as there's laws for gravity, electricity, physics, all governed by natural laws. We know that there are also spiritual laws that have to be followed. We must move into a higher dimension of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of discerning of spirits. We are called to detect the motivating source, working behind the scenes, not just observing and reacting to the natural realm. We are called to a higher sphere of discerning, which is beyond the natural realm, which is the spiritual, the spiritual realities. So we need to sharpen and more exact uh, spiritual perception for the times in which we live. So we wanna be more exact about what we're perceiving. And remember our perception comes from all of our senses, not just our eyes. Don't limit it to just your eyes. Let us hear and respond to the Holy Spirit's voice, which says, come up here come up higher. Regardless of the various ways God speaks to us, it is important that we interpret the revelation properly to receive the wisdom, understanding, and counsel he is imparting. Subjective revelation must be checked against the word of God and the counsel of other solid believers. So whenever God reveals something to you or the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, you're not for sure what it is, take it to a leader. Take it to someone you trust. Take it to a mentor, someone more seasoned in, in the word or spiritual things. We must test every spirit to find out whether it is from God or is it, is it from the devil? Or is it just us, our own flesh? we will be surprised how much of this junk is. That's just us. <laughs> We're fighting with that flesh, war against the flesh. <laughs> One major test is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So discerning of spirits is a supernatural cap- capacity to judge whether the motivating spirit behind certain words or deeds is human human demonic or divine three sources human which is your own spirit your own self demonic or divine this spiritual gift can discern in four different categories holy spirit angels human spirit evil spirits holy spirit angels human spirit evil spirits in this workshop you will learn the purpose of discerning the spirits many examples of its use in scripture and the guidelines for operating in this gift in your own life your own everyday life so the gift of discerning the spirits is a supernatural gift of perception it's given sovereignly by God to enable individuals to distinguish the motivating spirit behind certain words or deeds for the purpose of determining the source of spiritual activity. The dividing line between human and divine operation may be obscured to some believers, but what with the faculty or the gift, that this is the gift that the Holy Spirit gives, sees a clear separation, they can tell the difference. It's really distinct, you will definitely know. Spiritual discernment is the, this is discernment, the second level, is the grace to see into the unseen. But the gift of the spirit is to perceive what is in the spirit. Its purpose is to see into the nature, the nature, which is veiled or hidden. So that which is hidden is, is, um, is brought out in the light. The gift of discerning of spirits works along with the gift of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. It can also operate with other gifts, for example, gifts of healings and miracles. I'm trying to think of an example for you when using the gift of the word of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. Because those are two more of the nine gifts, but those two are uh, considered revelatory gifts like the gift of discerning of spirits. And so when we talk about the nine gifts of the spirit, um, there, there are three cat- different categories. You've got the three that say something, the three that do something, and the three that reveal something. The three that reveal something are the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of word of knowledge, the gift of the word of wisdom. How they operate together, the three of them is, say for example I'm trying to think of them in, in the Bible but um, you could be ministering to someone and God is showing you, revealing to you the presence of, oh, okay, maybe I can use that one okay, I'll use that one, Holy Spirit <laughs> the one where I was at um, in Tennessee and there's no way this prophet could have known that I was having angelic visitations at my home. And so when he became when he ministered to me, the first thing he says to me is that you're having angelic visitations. So for one, discerning the spirits, he said angels. Right? And he's and he said that I was having visitations. They were visiting me. So that's a word of knowledge so that's not the word of wisdom word of knowledge is something that's happened currently or happened in the past word of wisdom is something that's going to happen in the future foretelling so typically these work together and so we stand here as you know as individuals and we have I have a personality, you can't really take me apart <laughs> for for you to relate to me. But if you wanted to take me apart and pick me apart to understand me, you maybe you could possibly, you know, like my childhood, my birth, where I live, my education, that I'm a nurse, different things like that. Or for the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. He's a person, these gifts are his personality. They operate with him all the time. We break them apart to learn about him, the different aspects of him and how he operates and how he thinks and so on and so forth, okay? So remember that when the gifts of the spirit are flowing, you could see four, five, six of them operating at the same time. You might not be able to separate them, but they're operating, okay? They work work hand in hand together. So the gift of discerning the spirits is the supernatural ability to discern and distinguish between not only good and bad, but different classes of spirits, to recognize the identity and very often personality and condition of the spirits, which are behind different manifestations or activities. The Holy Spirit, which is the third member of the Godhead, lives inside of us, and then you have... These are the classes. You have the good angels, which are the divine spiritual beings who live in the spirit realm, and then you have fallen angels. One third of the angels that rebelled against God are fought, considered fallen angels. So you have fallen angels, but you also have evil spirits or demons. Mm-hmm. I am going to be teaching on those <laughs> in the future. I have been dealing with angels, and in the Lord just I'm, I'm kind of getting away. I don't want to deal with demons, but I'll have to do some more demonology study But yeah, they are evil spirits and demons. They're part of the pre Adamic world before Adam. Pre Adamic. Kind of like angels, but they're unclean spirits. They're disembodied spirits subjected to Satan. So they are different than fallen angels. Fallen angels were angels in heaven with God. And they they got put out when they went with Lucifer. So they're angels, and then you've got evil spirits and demons that are different. But that's a whole other subject with demon, called demonology. And then we have our human spirit, which is our spirits. So many people with the gift of discerning of spirits will see supernaturally with their spiritual eyes or hear with their ears or sense a strong sense or discern what spirit is around them and what's operating. Now, you can pick up something on people, you know, it can be through the natural discernment just observation or it can be supernaturally felt through holy spirit through your spiritual discernment and then at a higher level will be the gift because you even see more than just what you're sensing you'll see what's causing what you're sensing to you see the demon. Or you can see the angel, the angelic. You see, you can see glory on people. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had anybody that's ministered to you that's imparted God's grace on you. It, you can kind of really pick up on that. that, you know, it's something that was of God and receive it because it's tangible. That's why next month we'll talk about the anointing because you have to understand the anointing and the glory before you can really start to fully operate in, in, in these gifts, because you understand how that's part of the law, the law of the Spirit, God's kingdom. So, to discern means to perceive, distinguish, or de-inferentiate what spirit is manifesting. Discerning the spirits is a supernatural capacity to judge whether the spirit operating has a source that is human, demonic, or divine. I keep forgetting about this slide here. The Holy Spirit, good angels, fallen angels. Sorry guys on on Zoom, I'm catching up with the screen in my notes. There's a handful of things that try to mask as the gift of discerning of spirits. When it is not and can cause a lot of harm and issues within the church, if you're not using the true gift and the things that can mask the gift are things like a suspicious spirit. People are just suspicious of others. (laughs) Okay, suspicious is a feeling or suspicion is a feeling or thought about someone or something that you think is most likely true. It can be easy to become suspicious of individuals because of our own view, prejudices, rejection, or understanding or situation of people. This is when our natural judgment can come into play. So this is the natural judgment, first level. Sometimes our suspicions can be correct, but that does not mean it is the gift of discerning of spirits that's manifesting. It's just you just trying to figure something out in your mind. Criticism, because, you know, we have certain attitudes, things that we bring in, you know, that's a part of us. Criticisms, discerning faults and mistakes are not a gift from God. I am sure most everyone sees these and it is not helpful or good. The devil is known as the accuser of the brethren in Revelations twelve ten, And if we criticize others, we are further his king. Furthering his kingdom and not God's kingdom, meaning the devil's kingdom, so you don't want to be criticizing others about conjuring up spirits or necromancy. This is uh, being able to discern spirits does not mean you partake in conjuring up other spirits. Some people do this and don't really know they're doing it. (laughs) This is really can be seen as cult, occulted behavior. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 12 says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall not lean to follow the abominations of those nations. Remember, you're in part of a new kingdom, a new nation altogether. We're a holy nation. There shall not be found among you anyone who seems or makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a safe sewers, soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, verse 11, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, The Lord your God drives them out from before you. Again, that's Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 12. Suspicions, criticisms, conjuring up other spirits. Before we take our break, I had a quick activation I wanted us to do. It's not going to take very long.